So um, I want to look at 1 Peter 2. And this kind of fits in well with um, Dave's series on living normal Christianity. You know, I think there's been a fantastic series. You know, the fact that that we're called to be more than just churchgoers. That we're called to be Christ-like in, in, in everything. And, and you know, to, to, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, 1 Peter 2. can hear pages rustling we must be about there it's in in the New Testament (laughs) just to help Michelle (laughs) so uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 9 it says but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And this is such a well-known verse, so it kind of... um, But, um, you know, we use it as as an encouragement for people. We encourage ourselves with it. But I just want to examine this morning do we actually understand what this um, verse is saying to us you know it says you are a chosen race a royal priesthood and I just want to you know it doesn't say that um, you're called to be a priest it says you are a priest each one of us in this room this morning is a priest of the living God did you hear me each one of us this morning is a priest of the living God. We're not called to be priests. We are priests. And you know, so often we put the responsibility of the priesthood of Christ on the people we see publicly ministering. You know, the person stood in the pulpit with a microphone, the um, the vicar with the dog collar, the worship leader. You know, we we put our we put the whole ministry of Christ on that. But that wasn't God's intention. God's intention from the outset was that He would have a nation of priests. And in this verse it tells us that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You see, the Israelites were a race and there was 12 tribes within that race and God set apart one of those tribes to minister to him, the Levites. So this morning, please excuse me, when I talk about priests and I talk about Levites, I'm talking about the same thing. Okay? I know the Levites had different roles. Some of them were, um, some of them were in, in charge of just maintaining the implements of worship and to look after them. Some of them were responsible for baking the bread and what have you. And some of them were responsible with going in, you know, the high priest, going into the Holy of Holies. But this morning, when I talk about the Levites and I talk about the priests, it's the same thing because God ordained them to be set apart. The Levites were set apart to minister. Okay, and I just want to look at the roles that the priest had and you know there's, there's people in this room that could tell you you could study one of these roles for weeks and weeks on end so I'm not 
I'm not here to try and give you some huge revelation in what the priests did or about the sacrifices that they made or, or anything like that. What I want us this morning to, gather, to get is that our responsibility is to be priests. Okay? So, I want you to try and remember these points. There's four points. The first point of the Levites or the priests was to build the tabernacle. Okay? Now, when the Israelites were in um, walking around um, the desert for 40 years, um, God had the, the Levites were in charge of the tabernacle. So that whole tribe was responsible for carrying the tabernacle, the implements, the everything. And God would, they would walk, they'd walk, and God would say, stop here, and they'd stop. And then the Levites would pitch up the, the tent, and off they would go. You know, and, and they'd get ready and they'd set a place for God's presence. Okay? There's loads you can go into about the tabernacle. I mean, if we want to study the tabernacle again. Um, but what I find interesting is that the tabernacle was always set in the centre of the camp of the Israelites. Always it was in the centre. God wanted to be in the middle of his people. He wanted his people to gather around him. The other danger with the word tabernacle is that we make it into a, a religious word. So, you know, I've got friends that go to the New Life Tabernacle Church, and it sounds really nice. And 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 you know, we talk about the tabernacle and lots of um, it's quite quite a popular Pentecostal, old school Pentecostal name for a church, the tabernacle. But when we actually break down what tabernacle means, it means a tent. That's it. There's nothing special about a tabernacle. It's a tent. Okay? So, later on, so in the Bible we see it called the tabernacle, we see it called um, the tent of meeting, we see it called the tent of congregation. But it was a tent. So, what's it got to do with us? You know, we don't walk around putting up tents when we feel that we need to worship God, do we? We we don't um, finish the day and go, right, I'm going to put the tent up. But we need to realise that that's what we're called to do. We are called to set up tabernacles. Going back to when we were worshipping earlier and I said about, um, Jesus said, where two or more of you are gathered, there I am. That's tabernacle. That is setting up the tabernacle. You know, when I go home to Michelle and we sit and we, we talk about the day and we talk about things that have been going on, that is tabernacle. That is setting up a meeting with God. The two of us meet in God's presence when we go to school and we see our friends or when we go to university or when we go to work we're called to set up tabernacle we're called to minister to um, to, I'm going on to other points but we're called to um, to host the presence of God to host a meeting with God that's the meeting place to host a meeting with God okay we have to realise that we are priests. We have to get our minds... So, if we don't walk in the truth that we're priests, and I'm not expecting that this morning you're suddenly going to walk away from here and go, I'm a priest. But we have to grasp the fact that we are priests of the living God. Because in, in, in the Bible, the only people that could enter the presence of God were the priests. The only people... The only people 
that could host a meeting with God with the priests so if we walk through our lives going I don't know I'm a farmer I don't think we've got any farmers in the house a farmer can farm I'm a doctor a doctor can can care for people I'm a nurse a nurse can care for people I'm a mother a mother can care for the children I'm an accountant I'm come on I don't know a teacher, I'm, I'm a shop assistant. None of those roles allow us to enter the presence of God. But by being priests, we host his presence. Do you hear me this morning, church? We are priests. We are a royal priesthood. And when we come out on a Sunday morning, we are priests. You know, quite often the temptation is, and I've done it, the temptation is to turn up to a Sunday service and hope that the worship's going to be good, hope the band plays some nice songs that I quite enjoy, hope that the preacher's not too long, <laughs> hope that he's got some points at least, and, and you know, and we put all the responsibility on other people. Hope the tea's ready when I go out there. Hope it's nice. Hope they've got a nice cup of tea. Hope they've got some nice biscuits and bourbons and some... But we put the responsibility on to other people. When we meet together we are all priests we all set up God's tabernacle as part of hosting the tabernacle I said a few minutes ago that the the, the Levites would carry the items that they used for worship they'd carry the um, the altar they'd carry the the, they'd carry everything (laughs) the tent and the poles and um, but one of their other roles was to protect the tabernacle. So when they set up camp, they put the camp up. They, sorry, they put the tabernacle up first in the centre, and then God, God tells them that around the tabernacle they're to put the Levites. So the Levites camp all the way around the tabernacle, and some of them that are serving are inside. And then beyond that, they then put the other tribes around which is another quite interesting image but we're not going there Um, but um, we are called to protect the tabernacle we're called to to um, so you know sometimes it's quite easy to go away and talk about what's wrong with the people of God you know I can I can find so many faults in other people but not myself sometimes you know it was that old thing wasn't it I mean I've not heard it for a while but you know when you go home for dinner do you have roast pasta for supper or, or do you have you know do we, do we find the faults in others you know we're called it's not to say that we don't see that things aren't right things aren't perfect because you know what we are the church and none of us are perfect but we should protect the tabernacle we should protect God's plan for his people and so when we're talking to other people about God's house we should be talking good things I'm not saying that we lie but we should be focusing on the good so the tabernacle should be centre of everything we do
That's the first thing the priest did, carry the tabernacle. So I'm going to get you to repeat it. The first thing we have to do as priest is... We'll just say tabernacle from now on. (laughs) The second thing the priest did was carry the presence of God. So as priests, we carry the presence of God. In the Old Testament, we see clearly that the Levites were the ones that carried the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's presence in the people. It had the Ten Commandments in it. It had, um, oh dear, I shouldn't have gone down that line. It had, um, <laughs> it had Moses' um, staff in it and, and other, other items of importance. <laughs> oh dear. Um, but they carried the ark around. In Deuteronomy 10.8 it says, At that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister to him and to bless his name. To this day, to bless his name to this day. Therefore, Levi has no portion or inheritance with his brothers. The Lord is in his inheritance as the Lord your God said to him. So we see there three roles that the, the priests had. To carry the Ark of the Covenant, to stand before the Lord and minister to him, and to bless his name. As I said, so the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence. It represented God being with his people. So we have the tabernacle, and then inside the tabernacle we have the Ark of the, the Covenant in the centre so that God is in the centre of his people. And I just want to encourage us this morning that, you know, when we go out, not only do we build tabernacles with those that we meet, no, no, not only do we give them a chance to have a meeting with God, but we carry his presence so that they can have a meeting with God. Just think it, so... <laughs> Sorry, I've lost my place in my notes. In 2 Corinthians 2, it says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphant procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. It then says, For we are the aroma of Christ, to God among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. We are the aroma of Christ. You know, we carry his presence, and to some people, it stinks, because they don't like to be in the presence of God. That's why it says, for some people... It's the, it's, the, it's the fragrance of death to death because it shows up how they're living it shows up their impurities and they don't like it but for some it's life to life for me when I met when I, when I first smelled that fragrance when I first came into the presence of God 
I had no other choice but to respond to him because I saw that there was life in him. So we should carry the presence of God. So point one, build tabernacles. Point two, carry the presence of God. Number three, in Deuteronomy, again, where we've just read, at 10.8, it says that they're to carry the Ark of the Covenant and to, and to stand before the Lord to minister to him. Our third point is that as priests, we minister to the Lord. Those priests, we come before God and we minister to him. And when we look in the Old Testament again, we see that the priest's jobs was to, were to, to make sacrifice for sin, to make sacrifices for praise and worship, to, to, um, praise and worship, to, to pray and to worship God, to, to sing songs to God, you know, that's the book of Psalms, and to stand in intercession between God and the people. That's what they did. You know, and over history we see um, people that have set themselves apart, monks, nuns, um, holy men, that have set themselves apart just to minister to God and stand in that place between man and God. And it's important that we realise that we're priests because, you know, some people have this distorted view. You know, there's, there's, there's people out there that believe that the only person that can pray for you or can speak to God for you is a, is a priest. And that's not, well, that is the case. That is absolutely the case. But each one of us is a priest. At the cross, Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice for all of humanity. He was both the sacrifice and the priest who presented the offering to God our Father, who accepted it once and for all. We can, we can say for, for sure that Jesus is a priest because Hebrews 4.14 tells us. There's other verses as well. But it says there, since we have a high, great high priest, we, we started the service this morning with this, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast on our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one in every respect who has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we can enter the throne room of God, the Holy of Holies. And like I said earlier, only a priest can do that. You are a priest of the living God. I'm going to keep saying that this morning because you are a priest of the living God. So, we know that um, the priest gave sacrifices for sin. We don't have to do that anymore because Christ paid that price. One sacrifice for all of us for all time and beyond. So that's gone. We no longer have to make sacrifices for sin. But the rest of the roles ministering to the Lord still stand. We still 
are called to praise and worship him. You know what? I believe absolutely that the only reason we were created was to worship God. That's it. The rest of the mission, the rest of the calling of God to make discipleships, we make disciples so they can worship God. We tell people of his love so they can worship God. The only thing God has ever wanted is to spend time with us, to have our love. All the way back to the Garden of Eden where he walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. All he wanted was to spend time with mankind. Sorry, man and woman. You know. And so, when, when we break it down to that, you know, we can make things seem so complicated and so religious that, you know, I mean, we've had communion this morning. And Jesus said, you know, do this as a symbol of your love for me. Do it in remembrance. Remember me whilst you do this. You know, but people can make it so... so ceremonial that it loses its actual meaning. It becomes a... I come to it with my, my head back. I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure... I know... Um, I know when Jesus talked about his dying at the Last Supper and stuff that, you know, it would have been a bit of a downer. But, I'm telling you, that the atmosphere up until then would have been triumphant, they would have been happy, they would have been laughing. A bunch of blokes together having a, having a, a meal, you know, tends not to be a quiet thing. Ask anyone that sits in the cinema when, when we go out. You know, it tends not to be... You know, and, and we, we make all these kind of things very... Solemn, solemn, yeah. Um, and it's a celebration, you know, the, the blood. Although we're sad that Christ had to die for us, we rejoice in the fact that he was willing to do it and that that wasn't the end. Christ died for us. He lay in the tomb for three days and three nights. He rose again, victorious. Amen. So why then, when we remember the sacrifice that he gave, do we bring ourselves down about it? Because what we should be remembering is what happened. Not just the sacrifice. We should be remembering that actually that the bread and the wine is a sign of victory. You know, it's got nothing to do with my, my notes. Sorry, I'm, I'm going off on a ramble now. But, you know, I do. we have to realise that, you know, we get... We're Pentecostal. We, we don't have traditions. We don't have things that are set. Of course we don't. You know, we quite often... We'll, I was brought up Methodist. So it was song, stand up, song. Actually, actually, it was three bars of music. Stand up, song, sit down, bit of, pre, uh, bit of reading. Stand up, song. And that's why they're called Methodists, because they went through a method. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But, you know, we get into our own routines. We say we're Pentecostal. We say, so we describe, Dave often describes us as happy, happy bunch. <laughs> Some of us clap. Um, but, you know, we have, we expect the service to go a certain way. And if it doesn't go that way, we get upset. Because it should, this is how we do it. You know? I mean, we, 
I don't know if people remember, when we, Michelle and I first came to the church, um, we used to have the worship, then the band would leave the stage, then we'd have communion, and then, and then pray for each other. And do you know what? I got so many, <laughs> so many, I'm sure you did as well, Louise. I got so many complaints that the band stayed on the stage and played a song whilst we had communion. So many people, we don't do it like that. That's not how we do it. That's distract, you know, how can focusing on a song that's got the words that focuses on Jesus and what he did be distracting from communion? You know, you don't have to sing it. If you want to focus on the words or you want to focus on a scripture, you don't have to sing the song. But we like things the way we have it. And this is where, this is where it all went wrong for the priests of the Old Testament, really, because they got, they got lost in the routine of doing things. They got lost in the ceremony of things and lost grasp of, of what it was to minister before God, of what it was to be a minister to God. They lost grasp of the fact that they were supposed to be there for the rest of the nation. And I just want to challenge us this morning. I have completely gone off my notes, I'm sorry. But I want to challenge us this morning. You know, we do so much in this building. We look at, um, we've, we've got um, preschool starting, we've got, the, we've got the cafe on, we've got the... But I want to challenge us this morning that we don't lose sight of why we do it. We don't get lost in the routine of we open the cafe on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and we do this. We don't get lost in the fact that we have Sunday service at 10.30 every week and that's it. That we, we keep our minds open that actually, unless we are focused on God through everything we do, then we've lost it. We've completely lost it. Unless we're ministering to God in everything we do, we might as well pack up and go home. I mean that. Absolutely. We might as well lock the door now and go home. Because we're called to be ministers to God. The last thing that that scripture, Deuteronomy 10, said is to bless, um, to bless in his name. So the fourth thing, so we've got to build the tabernacle. We've got to carry his presence. To minister to the Lord. And then number four is to bless the people. And when I was looking at this, so Dave often, we end a service with a blessing. Um, and Dave normally um, rewords the blessing in, in the Chronicle. Um, yeah. Numbers, thank you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And, um, and Dave says that, that in the Gospel of the Haven... Blessed means to give you a serious case of the happies. So if you're blessed, you're seriously happy. Well, actually, it's true for what God's pray uh, for God, Dave. I'm not getting the two mixed up, please. <laughs> but um, it's true for what Dave's praying at that time. But actually, to be blessed doesn't mean necessarily to be happy. <laughs> I've got some smiles out of that. To be blessed doesn't mean necessarily to be happy. You know, so the word, um, the word that's often used for, for blessing is, 
Oh dear. Esher, which is translated as happiness. But there are other words for bless. Um, I'm only, I'm only um, focusing on one other word for that. But it's um, apparently the Hebrew word that's most tra- often translated as bless is barak. Or barak. Or, thank you. Um, which can mean, which can mean to praise, congratulate, salute, but apparently it's even used to, to, to mean curse. Anyway, that, that by the side. So, when I was thinking about this blessing, and you know, if we bless people, we're, we're, we make them happy, so that, how do you make someone happy? You give them what they want. Well, that's not God's way. You know, when the, Mary, when the angel came to Mary and said, um, um, Hi Mary, how are you doing? You're highly favoured with God and you're blessed above all women. I'm sure there's times in her life where she didn't feel blessed. Being real with you. I'm sure there are times in her life where she walked through life and she didn't feel the blessing of God. Now what the angel said was true. She was blessed. She was highly favoured. But you know what? When she was going through that pregnancy and people were whispering about her and talking about her, pretty sure she didn't feel blessed. You know, when she, at the end where she saw her son on that cross, I'm pretty sure at that moment she didn't feel blessed. In fact, I'm pretty sure at that moment she would have been questioning everything that you know, she'd seen the things she'd done. She knew him. She'd, she'd lived more intimately with Jesus than any other person on this earth. So she knew him so well. She'd seen him grow up still on that cross. Even if she had grasped what was going to happen beyond that, I'm sure at that moment she did not feel blessed. But looking back, history tells us she was blessed above all And the reason I'm saying this is because we're called to bless the people. So we're called to bless each other and be a blessing to each other. So that's nice, you know. Um, Cherry is skiving off work at the moment, pretending that she's got a poorly leg. And as a church, sorry Cherry, <laughs> as a church we, we wanted to bless her and people have gone around and provided meals for her and I've been wonderful. Oh, it's been wonderful. And that's blessing her. Yeah, so I'm not saying we don't do good things. But what I am saying is to bless the people, we have to be who God's called us to be. We have to stand up for what God says is right. Thank you. So to bless this nation, I'm not saying that we go out and we say things to offend people. But what I am saying is that God has clearly spoken to his people and told them what's right and what's wrong. What should be done and what shouldn't be done. And if we want to be a blessing to this nation, if we want to be a blessing to the people around us, we need to stand up for what God said. Because God says those things so he can bless his people. You know, right at the beginning... Right at the beginning, it said the... Um, actually, it might not have been at the beginning. <laughs> in Exodus um, 19.5, it says, Now therefore, you will need 
you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. You know, God said, you will obey my voice and keep my covenant. Okay, and because of that, you will become a nation of priests. Now, Israel lost the mark. The Jews lost the mark. The priests lost the mark. You know, they became more fixated on on the religious side of it and what it meant to serve in the house of God than to actually serve the people and keep them on the straight and narrow. And so to bless the people, we have to stand up for God. We have to be honest about what God has said. Back to that Exodus 19.5. So it was always God's intention to have a kingdom of priests. That's how I opened this morning. When he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and carried them to Mount Sinai, he stated his intention. And then we have that scripture I've just read. Now therefore you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. You shall be my treasured possession amongst all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. But something changed. Christ came, and he made that sacrifice for us. And in Revelation 5, it talks about the scroll and the lamb. So I've already read that we are a royal priesthood. But in Revelation 5, when it looks for somebody who is worthy to open the scroll, and it gets to verse 9, and it says, and they sang a new song. So this is when um, he takes the role and he's seated on the throne. It says, and they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. Verse 10. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth God has made us a kingdom of priests a royal priesthood you know in the Old Testament you had kings you had priests you had prophets um, and a king could not be a priest and a priest could not be a king but they could both be prophets so they could both minister through God they could hear the word of God when Christ died on that cross he made us heirs he made us he made us priests he became our high priest but he made us priests and he made us heirs of god that means that we are kings we're princes because we're we're heirs to the king of kings and the lord of lords <clears throat> i am coming to a close 2 corinthians 5 says therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If we're priests of the living God. If we're heirs to the throne in the right way. So you know we're not. But um, we're also ambassadors for Christ. 
And I love my spy movies. Michelle will tell you, it drives them mad. I love watching stuff like The Born Identity, and I love... Um, I don't like James Bond much, but that's because it's a bit of a wimp. Um, but I could take him. <laughs> um, but, you know, so... Um, been watching Strike Back recently and um, ambassadors have rights you know when you go so if you're, if you're employed by the government to go into another country you have diplomatic rights bear with me people ok so when you go into that country you can't be searched the same as a normal person, citizen of that country you can't be arrested the same as a person in that country it's a lot more complicated and the reason is because if you've got diplomatic rights, you are actually the country you represent whilst in another country. So if you're a diplomat for England and you go to America, you are English territory in America. Everywhere you step is England. England. Um, this is this is important because you know if we realise that we're priests of the God of God and we're His ambassadors, then everywhere we step, we take the kingdom of God. Everywhere we lay our hands, we lay down the kingdom of God. And just as a, a closing scripture, really, so I was trying to think of a, a representation of this in the Bible, and so something that we could get our minds around. And the only thing that came to, to, to mind was um, when the Israelites crossed the River Jordan. And um, Jesus, God, says to, um, says to Joshua, this is how you're going to cross. So when they crossed the, the, the Red Sea, um, Moses held, held the staff up and the sea parted and they walked through. When they get to Jordan, new leadership... They're under new management. And God says to Joshua, I'm going to show the people that you are my man. He says, so when, this is how we're going to cross the Jordan. He says, you're going to get the Levites to carry the ark and step into the water. And as they step into the water, the water will part. And Joshua 3.13 says, And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut up from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand up in one heap. I'd love to see that. And then it goes on, and in 15 it says, And the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. In 17 it says, Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry, on dry ground until the nation finished passing over the Jordan. If we carry the presence of God where we go, then the river of Jordan, the, the outside influences cannot affect us. Okay? So we step into a place, we are the kingdom of God in that place, and the rest of the world cannot affect that unless we allow it. I'm not, I'm going to be honest, you know, we have to carry the presence of God. We have to be walking in His will. We have to be, you know, this, this isn't a, a case of just do what you want and the kingdom of God will be there. We have to follow the things that God said. But if we do that, then we will 
take you know when when we pray your kingdom come we are supposed to be that kingdom and I do think you know I mean we pray that quite often your kingdom come your will be done you know what if we actually really earnestly prayed that things would be different because when I read the Bible I see that in God's kingdom there is no sickness in God's kingdom there's no sadness and if we truly prayed and we truly seeked his kingdom then we would take we would take this nation by storm we would take the world by storm you know there was some guys back in the the New Testament that did that and took God at his word and because of them we sit here today you know those people that were gathered those people that gathered and waited for the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost and people were added to their number they believed they saw what God could do they believed in it and they changed the world so this morning I've got more points but I'm going to leave it there this morning you need to know that you are a royal priesthood that you're called to carry the tabernacle or to host the tabernacle sorry that you are called to carry the presence of God that your job is to minister to the Lord and to bless the people so next week testimonies on how that's gone for you no but honestly I I thought I, I, I had a good grasp of, of the priests and but as I studied for this um, I've realised that I've got so much study to do and so exciting because you know these things God does these things for a reason God, God set the priesthood up for a reason he set the priesthood up so he gave us a clue on how we should be living everything in the Old Testament is to give us an insight in how we should be living after that and you know so we don't live in the old covenant we live in the new covenant but sometimes it's good to understand the things that God has shown in that shall we pray Father God, we give you praise this morning. Lord, we thank you that you have called us priests. That you've called us a, a, a nation of priests, Lord. That you've called us a royal priesthood. Lord, that your word tells us that we're heirs to the living God. We thank you for that, Lord. This morning, I just pray, Lord, that you help us to grasp hold of what it means to minister as priests in your kingdom Lord that we will be builders of your meeting place Lord that we'll be hosts for you to meet with people whether it's the cashier at Tesco's whether it's somebody at home whether it's at work, at school friends and neighbours Lord we just pray that um, that you'll help us to have that mindset that as we meet people as we, as we meet together that we are building a tabernacle, a, a meeting place for you. 
Father God, we pray that we will be carriers of your presence in every every aspect of our lives, Lord. That as as we go about our day to day lives, Lord, that we will just um, we will just carry your presence. That we will just um, welcome your Holy Spirit into to everything we do, Lord. That we will seek to become more like you. That we will seek to to impart you in the places we go. Father God, we pray that we will be ministers to you in our private devotions, Lord, in our times where we're on our own, in our public meetings, that when we know that we're coming to Tabernacle, that when we know we're meeting with people, Lord, that we will be prepared for that, we'll be expectant for that, that we would minister to you. And Father God, we pray that we will continue to be a blessing to the people, Lord. That we will be a blessing to the people of this house, Lord. That we will be a blessing to each other. That we will be a blessing to our families, to our wives, to our husbands, to our children. That we will be a blessing to those that we spend time with during the week, Lord. But that we will stand for you, Lord. That we may be an example of your love and your grace as well as ambassadors for your law and truth, Lord. Lord, we pray that we that you help us get that right, Lord. That we walk in your grace, that we walk in your love, that we show that to each person we meet, Lord. But we that we do not let go of your truth and your law. That we stand up for what's right. So, Father God, I just pray that as as we leave this morning, Lord, that you would just um, you would just sow something of your word into our hearts, Lord, that we will leave with some revelation of of who we are in you and what it is to to live in that that normal Christianity that you've called us to be. Amen.